Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 77 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about this idea of praying through God's Word. Let's dive in. This past week, I was at our church prayer meeting, and it was just a really rich time to gather with the saints and really seek the face of God. And during that time, we read through Ephesians chapter 1 through 3. We've been kind of talking about that at church a little bit. And so we read Ephesians 1 through 3, and then we broke up into these little groups, and we began to pray through Paul's prayer that's mentioned at the end of Ephesians 3. Now, I had prayed through Scripture before, but it was just a really rich and refreshing way to pray in a small group. And we just kind of walked through the passage. We just began to allow the Word of God to be the cry of our heart. And then we basically turned it back to Him and said, God, this is what your Word says. This is what we're longing for you to do in our life. Now, in episode number two, I walked through this passage in Ephesians 3, verses 16 down through verse 21. So I'm not going to do that. And if you want to hear kind of a longer version explanation, I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode number two. But really quickly, I just want to walk through this and show you how you could take a passage in scripture and literally use it to pray. And just so it's fresh in our mind, I want to read the passage first. Paul writes this starting in Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, in verse 16, he actually gets into the prayer. He says, I pray that he would give you according to the riches of his glory, power to be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> and amen. What an incredible passage. 
Uh, just to give you some quick context, Paul begins to pray and he says, oh, in verse 16, I pray that God would give you according to the riches of his glory. Literally, it's speaking of himself, saying according to the very nature of God himself, that God would just, I'm praying that God would, out of himself, give you the richness of himself. What a neat thought, huh? And then he goes on and says this, uh, that according to the riches of his glory, that he would give you power to be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. It's interesting to me that Paul is praying that the saints in Ephesus would be really strengthened by his spirit, by the spirit of God. And the power you recognize that's dwelling within our lives is not power and resource that we have in and of ourselves, that the power and the resource is is God himself. In fact, this word power is the same word that shows up in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. And that's that same word. And Paul is praying that God would give you this power that will strengthen by his spirit in the inner parts of our lives. In verse 17, he says that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. And obviously here, he's not talking about, hey, would you accept Jesus into your heart? Because he's talking to the saints. But in that culture, the heart was the very seat of emotions. It was the very center of your life. It was the centrality of your being. And therefore, the idea is, hey, would you allow Christ to dwell and and have a fixed position at the very center of your being? May he be the big deal of your life. May your entire life revolve centered upon and surrounded by and, and, and built upon Jesus Christ alone. And then Paul goes on and says that you would be rooted and grounded in love. And you realize love is not merely an emotion. It's not a feeling. Love is a person whose name is Jesus. In fact, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and 16, two times it says, God is love. It's this word love, agape. And Paul is praying that you would be rooted and grounded in that love, which is a person named Jesus. Uh, rooted there has this idea like a tree that a tree puts down its roots and the reason it puts down its roots is for stability and for nourishment wouldn't it be neat if if our nourishment in life and what if our stability in life came from one place called jesus see what if jesus (laughs) think about this what if jesus became the very essence of our life to such a degree that it doesn't matter the wind and the rain and the storms and the pressures of life He was our stability, that we received our nourishment and our supply. And and just as a tree needs needs a good root system to gather the water and the nutrients and and to come inside, what if Jesus was that in our life? What if we would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you be the nourishment of my life? Would Would you be the manna, the food, the essence of what I partake of every single day? And not just rooted in him, but that you be grounded upon him. That just as a tall building needs a solid foundation in order to be built strong and tall, you need a solid foundation, a rock, which is which is Jesus Christ. One of my good friends and fellow instructors at the discipleship school, Dan McConaughey, he was he was at Mongolia not long ago, and and he said that as he was going through the capital city of Mongolia. It was interesting that there was all these buildings half torn down and, and split in half. And he said the reason was is because apparently Mongolia got all this money uh, some decades ago. 
and they decided that they wanted to be, you know, a, a kind of a big power kind of a country. And so they wanted all these tall buildings because apparently, you know, tall buildings was a sign of, you know, money and prestige and, you know, progression, all that kind of stuff. But what they didn't realize is that they needed a good foundation. And so all they did is they, they built a four inch concrete slab on the ground and then they built this skyscraper upon it. Well, obviously it didn't take too long before the building fell down or it split in half. And so all over, apparently, the capital city of Mongolia, there's all these buildings that they don't know what to do with because they were not built on a solid, firm foundation. And you realize just as that's true in the physical world, that's also true in the spiritual world. And our lives must be firmly planted and grounded upon this rock foundation known as Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the rock. Now, Paul continues in verse 18 and says that he prays that you'd be able to comprehend and grasp with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. It's interesting to me that what he's asking (laughs) is that we would comprehend the incomprehensible that we would be able to grasp and grab a hold of mentally this thing that is impossible to wrap our minds around. I mean, how are we ever going to know the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of who God is? How are we ever going to fully know the love of Christ? Well, that truly is impossible. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you, you look at an astronomer and you say, you know, how do you begin to describe the vastness of the universe? And, and can you describe what's actually included in all the vast? Could you describe the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of the universe? And of course, they're going to be like, well, we have guesses, but we can't, we don't, we can't, there's no way we're going to know it all. Why? Because it is so huge and vast. And yet how much more vast is the person and love of God himself? And yet Paul, with this earnest and this desire, says, I am praying that you would be able to comprehend the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know. And that word there, know, just doesn't just mean to know academically. It means to, hey, would you know experientially? Would you come into relationship? Would you intimately know and experience the love of God, which surpasses the academic knowledge of it, is what the passage actually says. Well, how is that even possible? That's That really is impossible. Paul goes, I know, I know. But my prayer is that even though it's impossible to fully grasp the, the immeasurable reality of God's love and who he is, oh, that's still my desire. And you realize somehow when I begin to know and experience the love of God, somehow it goes even beyond even factually knowing about it. Wow, I really want that for my life. That somehow I get so wrapped up in him and his love and his his nature that it somehow goes far. It supersedes the academic knowledge of just knowing about him or knowing the facts and the data and the information. Paul concludes verse 19 and he says that all of this is so that we would be filled with the fullness of God. And I don't even know what that would look like, but what an incredible reality to be filled with the fullness of God. And then Paul concludes this phenomenal prayer by saying, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus 
throughout all generations. And again, if you want more details on the, that section of the passage, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode number two. But how do we how do we take a passage like this and begin to actually pray through it? Now, you realize you can actually take any passage and make that a prayer of your heart, that as you're meditating and pondering it and, and studying through a passage or, or merely just reading it, that you can turn that into prayer toward God. But let me just use this passage, and it's a little bit easier to understand because it already is a prayer. So what I'm just going to do is I'm just going to pray for you and, and for myself. And I just want to use this passage as kind of the guidelines for the prayer. So if you're driving, please keep your eyes open. But otherwise, just pray with me and and may this prayer that Paul prays for those in Ephesus be the cry of your heart as well. Lord, we love you. And we just pray according to the riches of your glory that you would strengthen us by your power and by your Holy Spirit in the inner parts of who we are, that you would, would really dwell and be the very center and focus of our being that our whole life would be built upon and around you, that we would you would somehow allow us and enable us to root and to ground ourselves in you, that our nourishment and our supply and, and our resource and, and, and our nourishment would come through you and you alone, that we would ground ourselves upon you, the rock of ages. Lord, would you somehow allow us to comprehend with the saints the very thing that is incomprehensible. Would you somehow give us a glimmer and an insight into the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height to somehow that we would know and experience you and your love, which goes so far beyond academically knowing about you. God, we don't want to just know about you. We want to know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, which is eternal life. And Lord, oh, our cry is that we would be filled with all the fullness of God, that we would be full of you, that that no matter where we walked on this planet, they would not see us, they would see you, that you would ooze from every pore of our body, that you would be demonstrated and showcased and exemplified through our lives and through our lips. And Lord, we know that you are able And not just able to do something, you are able to go beyond, beyond, over and above and beyond all that we could ask or think. So Lord, in my circumstance and in my situation and in my possibility and and my family struggles and in my financial crisis and in my whatever it may be, Jesus, we just pray and we thank you in advance that you are not just only involved and that you're not going to continue to be involved but that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could even imagine. So Lord, it's not our will and what we desire and what we think is right. That's not, hey, we don't want to manipulate you, but Lord, we want us to say, have at it. Would you come and would you get involved in this situation? And, and will you just show yourself through our lives and through our circumstance? And may our focus stay fixed upon you through it. But Lord, we know that you are a God who is not limited by my circumstance. You are not a God limited by my finances. You are not a God limited by my family. You're not a God limited by anything in my life because you are a God who is able and you love impossibilities because in the midst of impossibilities, you will show yourself as the God in whom all things are possible and you are able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine according to that same power and Holy Spirit that's working within us. 
Oh, Lord, to you be glory and honor and praise in the church and in my life. Oh, we love you, Jesus, and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We truly give you the praise and the glory and the honor for you rightly deserve it. We love you. We pray all this in your powerful, precious, and holy name. Amen. Well, do you see how I just took the passage and just kind of walked through it and just made it my prayer? But you can do this with any passage. Now, obviously, the narratives are very difficult. You know, if you're reading about throwing Jezebel out of the tower, I don't, <laughs> I'm not so sure you'd want to make that one your prayer. But <clears throat> walk through the Psalms or walk through the Proverbs or walk through the epistles. But you can take these sections and turn them into this cry of your heart. For example, if you turn over a page to Ephesians chapter 6, you know, it's talking about the armor of God. Well, why don't you use that as a prayer to say, God, would you, would you put on this breastplate upon my life? Hey, Lord, would you put this helmet of salvation on my head? And would you, would you strap sandals of peace upon my life? Now, I would encourage you as you're doing this to actually study those passages because as you begin to study them out, they actually open up in an even greater way and actually allows you to pray with even more grit. Well, I hope that'll help, and I hope that's been an encouragement to you. I really encourage you that you would take the words of the Lord and turn it into prayer. One of the things that I pray all the time actually comes from Ephesians chapter 1, which is Paul's first prayer to those in Ephesus. And one of the things that I just say over and over, all throughout my day actually, is that, God, would you just give me the wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of who you are, which comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. And it's just this idea of, God, would you just... God, I need wisdom and insight and revelation, but not just wisdom for the sake of wisdom. I want wisdom and revelation and insight in the knowledge of who he is. And so it's just one of those ways that I can just delight myself and continuously pray and, and commune with him is just setting my mind upon him all throughout, all, all throughout the day. So God, would you just oh, give me wisdom and insight and knowledge of who you are? And oh, would you just expand and increase in my life? And, and as Paul tells the Thessalonians, we are to pray without ceasing. So that doesn't mean you have to mumble under your breath, but why don't you take some of these great phenomenal statements that God has given us through his word, which is truth, you realize, and we're to be sanctified by his truth, which is his word. So why don't we let that be the meditation upon our heart and upon our mind? And it's not that you only pray scripture. We, we realize that. But it's actually a neat, wonderful blessing in your life when you can come to the word of God and sit before it and say, Lord, teach me what your word means. And as he teaches you what the word means, you then return that and just reflect that back and make that the prayer of your heart. Where it's, God, I see what you're doing in this person's life or God, I see, I see this thing that Paul is telling me that I need to have in my life. So I'm asking you, would you produce that in my life? In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says to rejoice always. So why don't you make that a prayer? God, I, I don't even know what it means to rejoice always. So somehow would you come and would you do something in my life that causes me to rejoice and abound all the time? That it doesn't matter this circumstance and it doesn't matter this situation and it doesn't matter the economy or who's president or whatever but that I am to rejoice. Why? Because I am filled with the Spirit of God and therefore I have the person of joy in my life. Therefore, I know I can rejoice always, but God, you're going to have to do this in me because my emotions are screaming at me saying, be fearful or, oh, you're not going to make it or, or whatever it may be. 
so you can take scripture and just, whoa, make it the prayer and the delight of your heart. Well, I'm cheering you on unto that end. And as always, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 77 for episode number 77. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.